And we are live from New York City, uh, the homespun yak. How's it going, Mr. Hatley? It's going pretty well. I, I was checking up on you because uh, you were one of several people in the Pence campaign that got COVID, <laughs> yet you continue to campaign across the country. <laughs> what's what's the strategy there? Well, look, I mean, let's let's be real. The American people need me, and the virus isn't real. So I, I had to. I had to, of course, stick to my guns. Also, I, I'm going to be forced to go to the Coney Barrett uh, hearing and ah. or sentencing or whatever you want to call it. I make it seem like it's a trial. It's not a trial. <laughs> uh, Feels like it. Yeah, it does. Um, and make sure that she's sworn in tonight because it can't wait. No. Um, so no. that is actually happening, though, isn't it? At the time mm -hmm. of this recording at... Uh, <laughs> 6.41 p.m. on a October 26th. That is supposed to happen tonight. That she's going to be uh, confirmed? Yeah, right. Yeah. So how do you feel about that? <laughs> as a Republican, um, diehard Republican, that <laughs> uh, believes everything in the Bible strictly. As, as a fundamentalist. Written, as a fundamentalist. Well, I, I, I take it as a victory, really. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I don't know. I don't know too much about her, honestly, her previous role, but I know that she was a disciple of the late Justice uh, Anthony Scalia. Yeah. Uh, I call him Tony. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and he was pretty, uh, pretty conservative guy. Uh -huh. And she seems to be in that in that sort of lane, but yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how legitimate the claims of, you know, she's going to overturn Roe v. Wade or she's going to, uh, make other, I, I don't know. I think that's the major one. And then gay, maybe gay marriage is another issue that people are maybe bringing up or concerned about that she might, uh, try to bring up again or I don't know. And I just don't, I get, I get that those are big issues, but they've been Roe v. Wade's been in place since the seventies. And, um, I don't know. I'd like to think that it's pretty much set in stone and that why would you bring something up that's been in place for over like what, 40, almost 50 years. So, I don't know. Has there been legitimate, like, on her end saying that? Not that not that I know of, but you do sound like a Republican. If it's been there for long <laughs> enough, it should be set in stone. Don't you dare tear down my statues. <laughs> or my wall. Or my damn wall. <laughs> uh no i don't i don't think so i think you're right i don't think that she's explicitly said that she's going to do anything about that um but it is i think it's pretty it's pretty stunning i think out of anything that trump has done the fact that he got to put in three supreme court three. justices is just mind-boggling it's only fitting though yeah yeah seriously <laughs> yeah so, yeah, I'm not sure what she's going to end up doing, but um, if she really is like a fundamentalist, that's that's going to be 
I'll be curious how that ends up going forward because there's a lot of battles that still need to be fought, um, especially for like uh, gay rights and things like that. So who knows? Hmm. Yeah, I just wonder what uh, how much you know someone's religion plays yeah. into their impartial, unbiased, you know, legal interpretation of laws that are already set and then developing laws, implementing laws. I mean, I think it all, obviously it would play into that, but I think each person would, you know, exhibit different levels of that. Oh, I, I, yeah, I completely agree. The fact that she's, she's Catholic. Um, and I'm just, yeah, that's something that's really intriguing to me. I always wonder how they're able to distinguish, you know, their own, if they're able to identify their bias of like, especially in a position like that, you're so powerful in that situation. Cause it's not only like, oh, I'm just going to check my bias because I'm having a conversation with someone else that disagrees with me. It's like, no, if this person doesn't check their bias, they could change the landscape for 300 million people, you know? And mm-hmm. that's that's a crazy position to 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 be in. So yeah. I think that would be scary. Just the human nature of like if she just has a bad day or she uh she's just she genuinely feels a certain way and she doesn't recognize her own bias that she could affect uh the the law in such a way. I think we talked about this in the past. It's weird that you have these supreme supreme court justices that have these leanings one way or another. Mm-mm. I mean, isn't the law like, <laughs> aren't you just supposed to stick to the law? Like, I don't get what's so difficult about that. Like, why, why do you have all these different interpretations of how to take the law? But yeah, I, I don't know. I'd yeah, also that's... be interested to find out how often, let's say like a Republican or a Democrat, uh, leaning, leaning, uh, Supreme court justice actually goes against what would normally people be. thought. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, there was a recent ruling about not gay marriage, but like something about that just was ruled in the Supreme court, maybe earlier this year, actually. Mm-hmm. And it was like a pro gay rights, um, law or, piece of legislation that was upheld or passed by the Supreme court. And people were like, Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Like the statements that some of the more conservative judges came out and said, uh, shocked a lot of people and it got zero press because, you know, it's Trump and they don't want to give him anything, even if he deserves it or not, you know, it's just like, we're going to, we're going to just kind of overlook it. But if it was anybody else, it would have been a much bigger deal, probably just just for the what the what the actual uh, details of the law, you know, was. Um, but that surprised me. I think it surprised a lot of other people. But, yeah, you would have to imagine that most of the time they kind of stick within their conservative or liberal approach. So I don't know. Yeah. 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 I imagine so. Yeah. It actually, be, I, I might look into that actually real quick. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I know it was a pretty, it was a pretty big deal in the LGBTQIA 
L O L No, but uh, it was a big deal, and um, it surprised a lot of people. Are you seeing anything? I'm seeing something from uh, 2015. Nope. Oh, never mind. Okay, they ruled. Uh, okay, so this is from um, current. So when yeah. President Trump was in the in office, this is published in June. Is this 17th. early this year? Oh. It was June seventeenth. So okay. I, don't know, I don't know how earlier you're you were referencing. Uh, they okay. So it says when President George W. I'm going to read the entire article out loud now. Um, because <laughs> it's only it's, 10 pages. It's just a small New York Times article. Don't worry, folks. <laughs> when, yeah. when President George W. Bush needed to shore up support with social conservatives during his reelection run in 2004, he turned to a familiar political tactic, demonizing the LGBTQ <gasps> rights on the <laughs> campaign trail and from the White House. The Republican leader began championing a <laughs> uh, constitutional amendment banning same-sex marriage. Oh, yeah, I remember that. <gasps> Praising unions between a man and a woman as critical to the well-being of the families. It's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. Good one, Kyle. Thanks. <laughs> That'll shut down every debate. 16 years <laughs> later, when another issue of LGBTQ rights up in the midst of another presidential campaign, the Republican incumbent responded with little more than a shrug. Shrug. Meh. That's it. They ruled and we live with their decision. President <laughs> Trump told reporters after the Supreme Court issued a decision on Monday protecting the rights of the LGBTQ uh, workers. Uh, that's what it's all about. We live with the decision of the Supreme Court. See, that's my attitude, I guess. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking about Roe v. Wade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, who knows? Uh, well, speaking on, uh, hmm. you know, religion and politics, separation of church and state and how religion sort of bleeds into society. I don't know if you saw recently the uh, beheading of a French teacher uh, oh, by a rough by his Islamic uh, Islamic extremist. Yeah. Well, I, I don't Chechnya. know anything about it. I just saw one quick line about it and that's it. Yeah. Um, so I think he was a high school teacher. His name was um, Samuel Paty, and he was, um, I can't remember what city it was in France, but he was teaching um, about, you know, freedom of speech, um, you know, freedom of expression. And he, he was like, see, we can do whatever we want, France. Um, so here are cartoons of Muhammad and he showed his class like the, like, don't be afraid to 
draw whatever you want to draw and do whatever you want to do. And just kind of making the point of how, you know, the French revolution sparked the ideas of, um, liberté, égalité, fraternité. And, <laughs> and someone complained to their parents who was of Muslim or yeah, Muslim, uh, faith and they reached out to this person somehow who was uh from chechnya um and told them what was going on and they're like they he drew the prophet muhammad on the board and he was like no that he's like that's not gonna fly so he found this guy and literally beheaded him in the street in france that's pretty stunning. And uh, yeah, that's just a, a very extreme example, although not necessarily uh, something that hasn't happened numerous times before in the re in our recent memories in France and in Western Europe here, ev you know, everywhere. Um, it's not like it's a epidemic, but, you know, it's happening to the, enough to the point where it's becoming very alarming and then world leaders are having to talk about it. Everybody's talking about it, you know, and it, it leads to, again, you know, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of expression, um, not trying to tell anybody what they can or can't do, um, unless it's harming themselves or others. And, um, uh, Macron, uh, responded saying, you know, we're going to defend basically our core values, France's core values, and we're going to stand up and try to fight against extremism in any form, you know, and, and certainly in this case, Islamic extremism. And he called it what it was, and that's what it is. And he got, he is currently experiencing a massive backlash between countries in the Middle East, like Turkey, who is leading the charge, uh, Iraq, Pakistan, Qatar, Egypt. They're boycotting all French goods, all French products, because he's basically saying he's taking a stand against extremist uh, fundamentalism and saying that we're not going to prosecute people just because you're offended of a drawing of a cartoon. And, uh, so I give him a ton of credit. I mean, it seems like an obvious thing to say, but in today's very, I don't know, sensitive cultural landscape, a lot of people would have said like, obviously it's a tragedy, but we have to be respectful of other people's, you know, rights and their culture and what they're sensitive to as well. And they experience a lot of discrimination. And he was like, you know what? Fuck that. Like, you're not going to make France uh, a Middle Eastern country that's uh, dictated by Sharia law, something that was formed, you know, thousands of years ago. We're not living in this ancient world, you know, and you, you can either come here and abide by the rules and, you know, work and come here and contribute to society. But if you're going to go along and try to kill people for drawing someone, I mean, 
we're just not going to have that. And I totally applaud him for saying that. But it's just insane that that is happening in 2020. And just another example of how, you know, religion in certain societies, when you do blend the two, you can see how in a lot of cases it is extremely negative. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's far more covert here in the United States. Um, clearly, it's obviously far more covert um, because, well, to a degree, I think, I think when it comes to speech and whatnot, I think it's a little, I, I don't want to say alarming, but I think it's a little strange when you have politicians that are like, I believe oh, yeah. in doing this because God, you know, it's just like, what, what, yeah. I just look around like, is is that cool with everyone? Like, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. Like, if they're religious, that's cool. But like, if you're saying like, I'm going to do something because of God, like that, that's not. I mean, separation God. of church and state has been clear since day one of yeah. this country. Oh, yeah. yeah. Since day one, it's been clear, but it just continues to get like more things are allowed, like in speeches, like you said, and, and it's just like, wait a minute, how is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. But it's, it's never gotten to like that extremist level of beheading someone like, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's definitely tough. Um, yeah, you're right though. I'm glad that Michael actually, uh, spoke up and said something about it, but I think it also speaks far more volumes about all those other countries that are like, what, how are you, how are you not okay with this guy just expressing himself by beheading yeah. one of your citizens? What's the big deal? <laughs> he deserved yeah, exactly. it. It's like, uh, no, which you're missing the point. Yeah. Which is, <laughs> he's uh, not saying you can't be a Muslim in France. He's saying you can't practice extremism in any form that would lead to suppressing other people's freedoms that are inalienable rights to them in France. Putting no matter what religion. Yeah. Oh yeah. But putting religion aside, like just that reaction, just looking at it on its surface, just looking at the reaction itself and just saying, like looking at that and saying, Hmm. Okay. So one person kills someone else and then all these countries have this negative reaction about people saying, hey, don't kill one another. I mean, that's essentially what we're saying here, that that we shouldn't have any sort of extremist situations where a person can just go around killing people just because they don't agree with them. And I mean, I don't understand how, like, we, we still have countries out there that have this ingrained idea of... Um, that's okay to, to infringe on, it's not just like infringing on someone's right. It's like you're infringing on their existence. I mean, you're trying to snuff out their existence and in an incredibly gruesome way at that as well. So yeah, it's, it's strange. Like, I, 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 I think you can just even take the religion aspect out of it and just kind of look at it at its surface. And I would definitely question somebody that was looked at that situation and was like, yeah, but he made fun of, their their idol or their person that they they value so highly that's i don't know it's just religion itself is is a strange concept but um just some of the things that it breeds is so weird like you can go back obviously into the crusades like uh 
go back in history to look at the crusades and whatnot. Like there's a children's crusade. I don't know which one that was. I don't know if that was mm-hmm. the first or second one or whatever it was, but um, just strange ideas, strange ideas. And just these plots of land, just like, this is it, you know, right. this is this what is we holy. want. Yeah, that's, this is holy now. And Europeans fell into that as well. They just were like, we need to conquer the Holy Land. Um, oh, yeah. It, it's just, it's strange. It's a strange existence. But, And what's funny about Macron, too, is the fact that he went over to Lebanon, right, and uh, was walking in the streets and trying to, like, you know, uh, learn more information after that whole bomb that went off, or not bomb, I suppose, um, the fireworks. Explosion. You're right, the explosion went off. Um you know, tr- clearly he's not he's not saying like he hates Muslims or anything like that. That would be problematic in its own right. But he's just saying, you know, don't kill people. Like, is that that difficult to, to, to get behind? I don't I don't get that. Yeah, just because someone believes differently than you, you know, uh, right? It make it extremist religion. People who practiced extremist religion just can't conceive of the fact that, you know. A, they might be wrong in some way, or B, that anybody should believe any differently from them or else they should just be not here, basically. And anything that supports that is completely ignorant. Um, But yeah, the response from the guy Erdogan, the prime minister, now prime minister for life. um, So, you know, it's a fair country. Um, he's, he said that Macron needs to be looked or checked into a mental institute for his comments that he made. Right. And, you know, with all the, you know, he just has such a huge influence now in the landscape of Europe because how there's just so many millions of, uh, Muslim immigrants from Turkey and Germany. And then from Syria, from North Africa, um, spread out throughout Western Europe. And um, I don't know, it's just a tough, it's just a tough situation across the board that a lot of people are finding themselves in. Um, And it's, yeah, it's never, people have never really I don't know, had to deal with problems of this magnitude or this complex before on this scale. And um, I don't know, there's a lot of factors that go into it. I know I talked about it with that Douglas Murray book, The Strange Death of Europe. But that's the first thing I thought about when I read this article about the guy being beheaded. And it just, yeah, it's just like... I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. You know, I'm not saying anyone's specifically guilty for these issues because everybody has a part to play. The governments of these countries, you know, everything. But it's just, yeah. How do you, how do you combat these things from happening? Yeah, yeah. the The association there that these countries are offended by uh, what seems to be, at least to us, a rational response. And they, they identify, they specifically identify with this extremist 
notion. I think that's a weird thing. Like, how do you get over that? You know, trying to make policy or trying to create alliances with a country that's that identifies with a person beheading uh, other people. That's mm-hmm. it, it. Immediately, <clears throat> it immediately jumps over, skips over the idea of, and we're always trying to distinguish between the two, like Muslim people and then extremist Muslims. Those are two separate camps. But the way that the, those countries reacted makes it seem like they're, you know, we're just But there's a large... Them. Yeah. Yeah. The, there's the a large gap. The are the ones that are in control. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, there's a lot of views that, you know, any fundamentalist believer or any religion has that would probably, you know, not align with a modern day average person. Sure. Um, like in Christianity maybe, or Judaism, but I don't know. I mean, I was, I don't have the, the, the study or in, anything in front of me, but in Douglas's Douglas Murray's book, you know, he's talking about, you know, your average Muslim in like Turkey or Egypt or something like that. And although they, you know, a large percentage of the population who is Muslim would never dream of acting on any of these extremist behaviors. Um, They might, a large percentage of them, however, do agree with like, you know, you can't get married if you're gay or you can't, you shouldn't draw Muhammad or you're, you're an enemy of whatever. Um, so I think that when the leaders respond in this manner, it just adds more fuel to the fire. And it's just, again, like we were saying, like their government and their religion is basically intertwined purposely. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's what well, you can't have one without the other. And that's something that like, democratic nations of the West just can't really, I mean, I can't really wrap my head around that. So I don't know. I don't know what I'm talking about. There's a huge disconnect overall across the board. I'm just trying to like work out things as they're coming into my mind because it's something that I really do care a lot about. Um, and I love, I don't love learning about these situations, but I like to kind of delve a little bit deeper into why these things are happening um, in 2020 still. Um, just the history of why this is happening and what what things can we do to minimize this and achieve a little bit more peace across the board with people that you still want to do business with, you still want to have good relationships with, but you can agree to disagree on religion and it's not a big deal or, you know, the impact that religion should have and like your business. So it's just tough. It's just because it's thousands of years ingrained into people. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And you have certain countries like those countries that are far behind in terms of like conservatives here are nowhere near what conservatives are there. Right. Um, so, right. so, and I do feel like in our, in this country, that things are shifting more towards this idea of like, yeah, I mean, religion has its place, but it's not in uh, politics. Or at least I think I would say that 
among the young folks, like people yeah. um, that are that are voting now, um, as opposed to you know like forty years ago. I think then mm-hmm. it was it was like you were voting based off of your religious beliefs, and that your religious beliefs gave you your moral compass, and therefore that's what you ended up voting based off of. But now people are very much divorcing the two and saying like, yeah, I'm religious, but I actually don't agree with this in the Bible. I don't agree with this. I don't agree with this, but I do agree with here. And it's just like people are creating their own moral compass that's independent of their religion. Um, and I, I do think that that's starting to sway things, even if, I mean, maybe I'm hopeful, I don't know, but, um, I think that's also true even in conservative circles. So I wonder, and I do think that that will eventually happen because I think the most accepting society will always end up winning um, overall, or at least that's what I think kind of happens on kind of a a smaller level. If you have a group of people and they're more accepting than another group of people, like um, I think that ultimately that ends up working out for the best. It has its its own issues, but I think ultimately ends up mm-hmm. working out for the best because people gravitate towards people that are more open and more, you know, kind and considerate and stuff like that, and try to be uh, try to be warm overall. So yeah. I think that it'll probably take hundreds, hundreds of years before this kind of more accepting mentality uh, starts to become a a thing in these Middle Eastern countries. And who knows, maybe I'm completely yeah. wrong. It'll never happen. But um, I do. Yeah, I, I like to believe, know. I like to believe that there are a lot of Muslim individuals out there that, you know, are devout Muslims, but they don't believe in killing people. I they mean, I separate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly. definitely. I think that I, you would hope that's the majority. I don't, I would assume, I don't know for sure, but yeah, that can actually have their religion at the time they deem and the place they deem to have it. And then they can also go out into society and work and talk to people and not have that impact anything negatively in other interactions and just can be confident enough in themselves that, you know, I'm doing the best I can. But like you said about this country, I mean, I definitely know certain people who voted for Trump last time who have openly said, like, I, I made a mistake. I'm not going to vote for him again, who were, um, certainly more conservative, probably more religious. And maybe that kind of was the overriding thing last time where they couldn't choose and they're like, well, you know, Republicans are usually a little bit more open about being religious and historically I'll just go with that because what do you, I I don't know. And then as these four years have developed, they were like, yeah, well, they felt like they made the wrong decision and, um, maybe won't be putting so much of that aspect into voting this time because let's be real, whenever a politician says, well, especially Trump, whenever they say like, you know, I love, I I'm, you know, I believe in God. I, 
I go to church and like, I love all the Christians and they love me and all this stuff. And it's like, how do people, how do people honestly buy that? That's what I wanted to know. As soon as like, you know, he started talking about God and religion and like holding up the Bible and all this stuff and pictures with people praying over him and stuff. And it's just like, Obviously, he fooled a lot of people with that. I just don't know how. I mean, if you, everybody knew who he was before he ran for president. It's not like it's just this up and coming guy. Like if Pete Buttigieg was like, "Yeah, I'm really religious and all this stuff." Like, yeah, I guess so. I didn't know. I don't know you before. I guess I'll just take you at your word. But at a certain level, everybody plays that side up to get that particular vote. Oh yeah. And he did it like he did it. And it was just like, that's the fakest shit in the world. Like, how do you not see how fake this is in in real time? And based on who he is as a person going back since 1970, um, I don't really think he's ever come out before running for president and was like, yeah, I go to, you know, this church my whole life and, you know, (laughs) all this stuff like, he no. shows up to the church. Everybody's looking around like, I haven't seen him around. Yeah, I know. The first yeah, time I've seen like, him there. I was five, been coming here since I'm five. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just goes to show you that like, I don't know, when it comes to that, it's like actions don't really speak louder than words in a way. That's, That's kind of what politicians are. Um. So, yeah, it's weird. It's a weird Well, I think with that, it's just, you can literally just wave flash red, like the Republican flag of some sort. And people, it doesn't matter what you say from that point on. People just vote. You know, they're just like, okay, I'm convinced. Um, You could, I'm sure, I'm sure there would have been at least a small subset of people that he could have said, I don't believe in God. And they probably would have heard he believes in God. He didn't mean that, you know, like something along those lines. Like you just, people are so blind. People are on this continuum of bias. And uh, I'm, it's cool to hear that like some of the people that you mentioned that did vote for Trump um, ended up not this time around or Mm -hmm. admitted that they made a mistake. So yeah, kudos to them because that's really difficult. That's really difficult. Yeah. To do, yeah. Um, to to be able to to step back and realize I made a mistake, mm-hmm. and to publicly admit it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think a lot of people have. Well, this year in particular has been a a moment of reflection in a lot of people's lives, not just about the election, but so many other things. Um, but yeah, I mean, it just, it looks like, I guess already just record turnout at the polls Yeah, all over the country. Yeah. I don't know the exact up to date numbers, but I mean, maybe already more than last election already by now. That's just what my sources are telling me. In my okay. mind. <laughs> In your mind, yeah. 
Yeah. Those are about as believable as Trump being Christian. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And, um, but, but yeah, record early voting turnout for sure. And, and many States, yeah. um, which leads me, I don't know when, it, when you look at the early voters, I think it's mostly, uh, I don't know. It looks to be mostly Democrats. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I voted today, actually. That was, today was my first, oh, wow. first day ever voting. And like I've said in the past, probably my last day, but at least I did it. <laughs> you never know. So everybody can fuck <laughs> off. But, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. I, I imagine that a lot of early voting, obviously mail-in voting. I didn't really understand that whole deal where, Republicans were like mail-in voting is unfair. They're saying that it's it plays into the favor of the of Democrats. It's like what what? I don't I don't get it. That that doesn't make any sense. Like you have the exact same opportunity. I mean, can you just not read or like what's what's the deal? Like, can you not fill it out? I don't like, know. What's what's the big deal here? I'm trying to think of why it's been such an upsetting thing for so many people cuz I I just think like, I don't know. It's just the idea of like, you either go out and you vote in person, you mm. pussy, <laughs> or it don't count. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I think probably mail-in voting, yeah, everybody can do it. I think it's different in each state on how you do it, but. I don't know. I think you could, everybody has, like you said, the same opportunity to do it. I think maybe Trump has instilled more of a fear in the postal service. That could be another thing. Like they're going to mess up. They're going to count them incorrectly. We can't trust it. You have to go vote. If you don't vote in person, you're not American. Right. Um, but honestly, I think a lot of the early voting and probably a lot of the mail-in votes are from the Democrats, it looks like. Oh, that that would not at all surprise me. I'd actually be surprised. But there's going to be a red wave that. like you've never seen, okay? On the day of the election, like you've never seen. <laughs> That's what he said. Dude, that, those, those hand gestures are perfect. <laughs> oh man i was watching the debate he kept like pointing and then like, like you know just like this. yeah he uh that's that yeah the, the most recent debate was pretty crazy yeah i mean yeah. it was uh obviously a lot more subdued totally than the first one which was nice yeah yeah it was yeah it was bearable this time i will give yeah. trump credit I will give Trump credit. He actually, yeah. I noticed his brain working at points where he started <laughs> to say something and then he stopped himself. Yeah, exactly. He gave that, that expression. And then he would actually write stuff. Like yeah. both of them, when they're writing, and they're like... <laughs> 
yeah oh yeah it's just like they're just writing like this guy is a twat like i hate this fucking guy (laughs) probably just checking his just checking his watch the whole time biden's writing his own name down so he doesn't forget (laughs) joe (laughs) against donald trump yeah he he Today I I saw someone posted a clip of him either this morning or the other day. And he's just like, we can't, yeah, we're going to run. We just, you know, you can't have four more years of George, uh, George. uh, And and we're going to go and we're going to, you know, together. That is terrible. Forgot who's running. (laughs) This is a dude forgot. That is stunning. That is stunning. How can you forget that? No, I don't know. I don't know if he just doesn't get enough sleep or what. I I mean, there's no excuse, though. There's literally nothing. He's had a few brain surgeries. You know, he's in his upper 70s. I don't know. He's been in politics for 47 years. Um there's a lot of factors that go into it. I mean, for anyone in their seventies, it's, it's going to be tough. Totally. Um, yeah. But dude just couldn't give it up. Just, just needed that one last thing on the, on the old CV. Yeah. Yeah. President <laughs> of the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't call it quits. What do you think the odds are that he makes it through all four years? Let's say he gets elected. You know, you know, Trump's just going to keep taking Adderall until I mean, oh, even yeah. even oh. when he's on his deathbed, he's going to be taking you Adderall. The Twitter rant uh, while he was president were bad. Yeah. I mean, it's going to the open up the floodgates. Yeah. I mean, Twitter <laughs> might just ban him, but um, yeah, it's he'll just still be just on some sort of speed, and. Uh, I don't know. I imagine they'll pump Joe full of something as well if he's president, just to you know prop him up at like important speeches and like a FDR sort of thing because he nobody knew he had polio and like they had to just create these special things for FDR. But mentally he was he was there, so that might be a little tough. I think he might be an early trial for a Neuralink. Yeah. Uh, oh, from yeah. Elon Musk. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's 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 concerning either way. Honestly, um, he would be. You know, what, I don't 82 think he'll when he got back out. When of, it's over. Yeah, yeah eighty two, eighty three, and. <sighs> yeah, it's wow. been a since since two thousand and eight when he was elected in with. Um, Barack Obama. Yeah. So he's it's been a sharp cognitive decline. Yeah. So oh, 80. For sure. So yeah, he'd be, I guess, 81. I mean, no, actually, I, like he turns 78 on November 20th. So I guess he would be oh. right around 82 yeah. when he actually leaves yeah. office. So right. that's good. Yeah. He'll have a, he'll have a strong reelection campaign. Oh, <laughs> that'll I'm be sure. interesting to see. He better, he seriously better not go for a reelection. I mean, I think, I think the Republicans would win that with like a, a, oh, yeah. a like a, 
a dish rag. Like they just throw that out there as their candidate. I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah. Win. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. Cause I mean, if Trump wins now in four years, obviously Biden's not going to run again and you would have somebody like Buttigieg or uh, Andrew Yang or Tulsi Gabbard. Bernie Sanders you know, young. is still young. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Bernard. Um, now I think, he, yeah, so Bernie's you would have 79. pretty, yeah, he's older. Yeah, you would have a, you'd have a more vibrant cast of characters that could try yet again to become the Democratic nominee. Um in four years if trump were to win now but if trump loses and then biden stays in for four years and he's like yeah we're gonna do this thing again let's go we're gonna keep building back better you know i'm not and uh <laughs> and then you've got somebody you know a different republican not not saying that that's like going it's gonna be a bad option but I think if you're a Democrat, you might be like, oh, man, that's pretty much guarantees a Republican win in four years if he decides to run again. I would Which, really if he hope doesn't he'd decide lose. to run again. I would hope he'd what, lose. What the, has the that ever happened? Oh, yeah. I mean, like, like, has it ever happened where someone is a president for four years and then they're like, I'm done? <laughs> I don't want to run again. I'm too tired. You you do it. I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> I can't think of any with my extensive uh that haven't been killed knowledge. or just like <laughs> ripped out of office or just lost in the reelection. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't think of any actually off the top of my head. At least I just wonder how that would go down. Like what you would. The he's just like I am not running again, and then it's just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess. Open so. it up. Would it just go then to be like, it's now Kamala who's running. No. It's no. No one else can come in because she's VP it automatically moves to her. That's an intriguing question. Yeah, I don't know. I always assumed that it was just a situation where the person just says, hey, I'm not running again. And then they're like, okay, we're going to have primaries then and have uh, nominations. I guess you'd have to announce that you're not running by a certain date. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I am not running. <laughs> I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. <laughs> no, oh, I can't make me. And by that point, that's how Joe Biden would be. Probably like, Joe, you got to come out now. I don't want to go. <laughs> Joe, we have cookies out there for you. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, good gracious. <sighs> Just it's, a bad situation. I was talking to someone about this. Why Why do you think people hated Hillary Clinton so much? 
She's a lying bitch. Okay. <laughs> all right, all right. Uh, <laughs> just because she's um well, where do you, where where shall I begin? <laughs> <laughs> um, did you, did I think you like people, her? No. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I think when you, th- I think whenever you people talk about the Clintons, you know, there's always this air of secrecy or conspiracy surrounding that name. Um just career politician, cutthroat politicians that will do anything to remain in power or have influence over certain segments of society or the political landscape. Um, You know, I think how the whole Benghazi situation was handled. Um, and I don't know really the details of that, but I know she was a huge responsibility um, in that particular disaster mm-hmm. um, that happened while she was Secretary of State. Um, I think she publicly shamed and attacked a lot of the people who came out in the 90s and even in the 80s and 2000s against her husband for claims of sexual assault and rape and misconduct and things that were later proven to be true. And she kind of doubled down and verbally assaulted um, basically any accuser. Um, Whereas, you know, and, you know, if this sort of thing happened now, it's like you, you would be totally um, against, like, the Me Too movement, basically. It, this was all before that stuff happened. Yeah, and it yeah. was um, – and people are like, oh, she's such a champion of, like, women's rights and all this stuff. And people just so easily forget when they just – when they're blinded by a political – party um or they want their person to win so bad just because she's a woman therefore she uh, values women's rights more than ever. i mean she didn't support gay marriage until you know like less than 10 years ago um basically says whatever it will take to win despite if she believes it or not it's just whatever is convenient at the time and people very mis uh, people just didn't trust her by that point. Um, people didn't trust Bill Clinton. Um, I don't know, just involved with a lot of shady stuff throughout the years, and kind of comes off as callous, and uh, and then the bombshell of like all those emails on her private domain came out just before the election happened. Um, I think that had an impact on it, whether people really knew what the emails were or not. It's just like, they just, it was just one more thing. Yeah. Yeah. Actually I was trying to look up what was in the emails and it's stunning how journalists just dance around the question. Um, Oh yeah. Yeah, I just looked up an article. 
on why people dislike Hillary Clinton. I don't know. I, I really feel like a lot of journalists at this point. This was my gripe when I was trying to have this discussion because we looked this stuff up um, about the emails is that the journalists, it's like one sentence actually has the information you're looking for. And they write mm -hmm. above it and they write below it and they don't bold it. They don't anything else. It's just a bunch of uh, quotes from people on just kind of roundabout on the situation and stuff. It's really frustrating when it comes to journalism, but that's another topic. Oh, yeah. Anyway, I never really found out what the, the we were looking up the email specific to the DNC, how they the DNC screwed over Bernie Sanders or whatever. Because I, yeah. I never really fully understood what that was. Um, yeah, I finally figured it out after like looking through like six different articles that had the headline like how the DNC screwed over Bernie Sanders. And then you read the entire thing and like you you didn't answer the question. So yeah. anyway, but anyway, that's like I said, it's beside the point. For me, Hillary Clinton, I love her. I think she's... <laughs> you're with her. Yeah, I'm with. Yeah, well, that was her slogan, right? That was like. Uh, I'm was, with her. Yeah, something like that. Um, <laughs> that's actually one of the reasons why I hate. I when I said it, hate Kamala Harris at the time. No, not Kamala Harris. I don't know anything about Kamala Harris. Um, I don't even know a whole lot about Hillary Clinton, to be honest with you, but I think the way she comes off is so, like she is, I think probably at the top of my list in terms of slimy politicians. That's what oh. it comes off to me. Yep. Um, she just, the way she look, like the way she just stares like and the way she laughs and the, there's just something that just, makes me want to get as far away from her as possible. So yeah. I get, I get the jokes that like, Oh, something comes out She'll bad about her. Hillary Clinton. And then she just kills the people, you know, those are kind of the jokes <laughs> yeah. that she just hires, you know, the Clintons just figure, you know, they'll, they'll take care of it. Um, those kinds of situations. Yeah. It seems like she's more concerned about power and how to manipulate her way through than to actually like she just doesn't seem like a real person like there's yeah. no way and when she tries not. When, she, when she tries to be like this like ho-hum kind of like yeah i'll grab a beer with you you could she you could just <laughs> tell how stiff she is you know just like ha -ha. Yeah. <laughs> you know it's yeah. so bad it's like it's back in her you know bulletproof suv like hand sanitizer <laughs> yes now <laughs> yes, exactly. God, uh, that's exactly uh, what it comes. You see the with. one that looked at me for like five seconds. Uh, <laughs> made eye contact with me. What was that about? Yeah, right. <laughs> that's what. That's what it comes just, off just of. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Hillary, yeah. Hillary, uh, Miss Clinton. Those, those, those are people. <laughs> Get yeah, them out of my sight. <laughs> Yeah. Now you need them. <laughs> yeah, she, yeah. And, and then to ha and then the like have the nerve to have her speak at the DNC thing it was oh. just like what? What is she going to tell you? Like I don't know. She's going to make it about herself. 
make excuses as to why she lost and like why why are you having this person here to bring back bad memories for your party and to give you advice we want advice from this from this person <laughs> no we do not <laughs> this person you blackmail this person yeah. I, I can't remember what movie that's from uh anyway it's uh and then they had Bill Clinton in there as well, <laughs> who looks like he's a thousand years old. <laughs> he does. He, he looks really like he's aged so <laughs> much. Um, and they had him on there and he's like, the president should <laughs> conduct himself in a way, uh, just talking about, uh, how the Oval Office is a sacred place. We, you cannot uh, tweet out. Yeah. And it's like, Bill, you are getting BJs in the Oval Office, my man. You, you are the last person to say what's acceptable in the Oval Office. Seriously. If you want to do that in the Oval Office, that's fine. But don't come out and be high and mighty because you're not. <laughs> this is him like. Five years ago. Well, wow. <laughs> this Twitter thing. I convinced Bill Clinton died and Hillary paid a witch doctor too. And then I don't, I can't read the rest of it, but it's so funny. And then, and then even crazier uh, was the day of the DNC. What does it say? <laughs> Someone tell me this isn't a corpse with its eyes open right now. We've got zombies in our midst and no one is talking about it. Seriously, wake up, sheeple. Dude, that's true. That picture is pretty terrible. Ooh, that is... That is wild. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what... I don't know what... Uh, I mean, he just got double pink eye going. Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, so, yeah. Same day that DNC happened where Bill Clinton spoke this this year um, was the same day that the news came out with the photographs of him being massaged by um, one of Jeff Epstein's <laughs> underage sex slaves. <laughs> and it was just like, Oh yeah, here's Bill Clinton at the airport getting massaged, you know, waiting to go on Jeff's plane um, by a girl who was in the recent documentary on Netflix that came out about him. Like, it's her, it's clearly her. And uh, people just were like, yeah, it's fine. Like, he had a sore neck. Sure. No big yeah. deal. No problem. No big deal. We got we to gotta get this guy on in five. It's all above board. So you got anything else? I mean, <laughs> you got anything else? <laughs> but imagine if it's a picture of Trump in the airport with one of those girls massaging him from Epstein's plane. Yeah. Or if Trump had been on Epstein's plane once. Yeah. I mean, he would have gotten crucified. Crucified. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Crucified. Labeled as a pedophile. Just everything that jeff epstein did now trump did it as well but bill clinton can fly on that thing 26 times we don't know he was 
doing, he was helping with charity. He flew with him to Africa to give a speech. You know, he didn't know Jeff was a bad guy. Yeah. He went out to his Island with, um, you know, his, his, his weird, uh, temple shrine on his private Island. No big deal. It's just fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The, uh, comedian uh, Tim Dillon who has kind of blown up a little bit this year one of, he's has one of my favorite podcasts he's he's kind of like he's kind of moderate politically he doesn't he makes fun of all sides and he gets very political but it's mostly like joking mm-hmm. um, but he puts like bits up on his like YouTube page like li- short little clips and um, <laughs> He's at Jeffrey Epstein's house in Florida because he's like doing stand up around there and he's got like a birthday cake and he's pretending to be a different person. And he's like, he's like, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I've been off social media for two years. Like I just, sometimes I just need a big break and it's just been really great. And I'm back in the United States. Um, and I just, I'm in Florida. I want to visit my friends and, I haven't seen them in so long and they love this kick. They're going to be so <laughs> surprised. And he's like, Jeff, just Lane. <laughs> I'm here. <laughs> and he like realizes what happens at the end. And he's like, I'm, I'm appalled by this behavior. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh man. Uh, but he's, he's a great, he's one of my favorites right now. But I don't even know what we're talking about. That's okay. We were talking about Bill Clinton and sex slaves and massages <laughs> okay. and Donald Trump getting crucified and I think eyes Tim, wide shut parties. Yeah, right. Exactly. I think Tim Dillon's a good transition. He was on JRE right a few times. Yeah, yeah, he's been on a few times. Um, and speaking of JRE, it seems like this week there are some pretty uh big league guests on starting out with old matt mcconaughey oh yeah he's been all over the place he's talking to gary vaynerchuk he was on oh really talking to like cnn he was on espn i don't know what matthew mcconaughey's doing but he's just like going everywhere right now just talking to people i think he's got a book out that's why oh, oh that's probably why yeah yeah. So, and then he had uh, Maynard on. Yeah, I listened to all that that episode, talking about wine quite a bit, and then Muay Thai. That was basically it. Yeah, cider, mead, wine again. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I thought one of the more interesting things about that was that he got COVID really early on in Australia, in February. And, yeah, and he's still having like pretty severe like repercussions from it. Yeah. And once he said that, I was like, COVID's real. Yeah. Now I believe it. Believe it before. Now that Maynard has it. I believe it. Yeah, right. (laughs) Yeah. Um he also had Salandino or something, some doctor on I have not listened to that one yet but i didn't I'm definitely interested 
in that one because it's uh, like a keto guy, I think, or something along those lines. Like carnivore guy. Maybe a carnivore. Yeah, it could be like a carnivore guy. I'm not sure exactly. Uh, and then uh, Kanye Paul, West. Paul Saladino, yeah. He's a certified nutrition specialist. Carnivore diet, you're right. Yeah, carnivore diet. And then, yeah, Kanye West. Why not? Sure. Yeah, I'm kind of glad he's I, I getting... To you did listen to it? What a did little, you think? A little bit. Like the, a third of it. I mean, he... Yeah, he... There was one point it was like 30 minutes had gone by and Kanye was just still talking. Like Joe asked like one question and he just, he was gone. Yeah. Like just kept going and going. I mean, it's not like it was bad or anything. I mean, I'll probably finish it, but he's just all over the place. Like has a lot of, a lot of ideas and talks about people's mis misconception of him and a lot of different regards to his life. And like, I don't know, it, it's, it's kind of hard to follow just cause he's just talking and talking and talking and about his religion and when he was medicated and how that was impacting his work and things like that. But yeah, I imagine it'll probably be one of his most popular ever episodes, not necessarily because of the content is so amazing, but just because it's Kanye West and he's such a unique figure in society that you don't hear him on a long format sort of thing. Right. Uh, like Elon Musk. Yeah, the Elon Musk one was really good. Um I, well, actually, let me take that back. I really can't stand listening to Elon Musk talk. He's one of the most annoying people to to hear talk. I don't know what everybody else's like thing is with that dude. He's super intelligent, not taking that away. He's super smart. It's just he can't finish a sentence. He just so basic. What what I'm ultimately what it actually requires is that well. <clears throat> I think what you need to understand is like, you know, it's just like, just say one sentence, just please, at least let me just, let's just finish one sentence, please. Yeah, like, and that then has Joe to will ask like a long question. He's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> I don't really. Yeah. And they're like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Guess we'll move on. Yeah. He's, he's a terrible speaker. He's the worst speaker that I've ever heard. Um, but that's not to take anything away from his intelligence. I just don't understand why people get their, their rocks off by listening to this dude. Cause it's so annoying to me. Um, so I enjoyed it because of actually what you were saying, the content, I enjoyed it because of the content, but the delivery was absolute trash. Um, and yeah, so that was good, but I, I don't think I'm going to listen to the Kanye West one. I really don't care about anything he has to say. So I'm just going <laughs> to skip over it. <laughs> Yeah, it's not, no, nothing has been uh, super shocking or like life-changing advice or anything like that. Yeah. So, yeah, you're not going to be missing too much. Yeah. There's uh, there's other episodes I've really enjoyed. I mean, the, oh, uh, I guess we should say this, that um, 
Peterson is back. Oh, yeah. Uh, came back and is finally... Dr. Jordan Peterson. Yeah, Jordan Peterson. Thanks. I couldn't remember his first name for some reason. Um, yeah, he... Uh, Adrian Peterson. <laughs> Adrian Peterson <laughs> of the uh, Minnesota Vikings, Washington Left. Redskins. Oh, I'm sorry, not Washington Redskins anymore. Washington oh, football cancel, team. Cancel, 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 <laughs> Hey, you're on here with me, so... <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hilarious to have a, a whole like Twitter situation where you're the spearhead and you're trying to cancel. <laughs> oh, it's funny. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, Jordan Peterson is back and he apparently has recovered from his uh, his drug addiction. Um, so. Did you see the video that he posted? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He said that it was the worst time of his entire life. And then he went to a bunch of different countries, a bunch of different doctors, <clears throat> just to recover from it. And I think, I guess this is a cautionary tale, if you are taking like Xanax or taking any other uh, benzodiazepine, um, then make sure that you taper off of it. Don't, don't do cold turkey. Don't do cold turkey, which you would think that Jordan Peterson would know that, but apparently uh, that did not get into his, his brain. So, his yeah, <laughs> so that's that's something to keep in mind. You want to taper it over time. Yeah. <clears throat> I just I just wonder, like, yeah, I mean, I just wonder if it's going to affect his mental cognition in any way just what he's been through i mean hopefully yeah. not uh, it didn't seem that way really but yeah he i don't he, know he was he's describing cool. he was describing some things about like neuronal damage and stuff like that uh to be to be honest with you he's not that bright when it comes to like the body he's he's really right. not like i've I remember in his book he was talking he about nutrition. Like he himself over in a lot of ways. Oh, definitely. Like with his diet and just like he's got autoimmune disorders and he's just like I'm sticking with this. This is the only thing that's going to work. Mm. And you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but he even puts it in his book. I remember he was talking about nutrition for a few pages. I was just cringing the whole time he was he was writing about it. It was terrible. I bet his daughter made him put that in there. Oh, probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> and I'm glad that they found some sort of relief, but like it's, I just don't think that they should be advising people on any stuff. So when he was talking about neuronal damage, I'm like, okay. I mean, maybe sure. like, is that possible? Sure, but do I actually believe that he knows exactly what he's describing? Which sounds weird because he's a psychologist, but. Um, psychologists don't get that much training in like neurology. He's not a neurologist. Yeah, exactly. He's not a neurologist. He's not a Sam Harris. Yeah. Yeah. He's not a Sam Harris. So, yeah. Anyway, he's back. So that's good. Good news. Yeah. I'm definitely glad he's back and look forward to any new content he's got. And I'd love to see, I, I mean, if anybody hasn't seen any Jordan Peterson clips or, you know, anything, I advise you to 
check it out briefly. He's got a really big YouTube page and a lot of different small clips that are really interesting on a variety of topics um, about how to improve your life or, you know, books of the Bible, what they mean, um, World War II history. I mean, covers a lot of different things. And um, I just really like his live content because you can see him thinking about things in real time and debating people. And it's always fun to, to watch those. There's some really great ones with him and Sam Harris um, debating on YouTube. And hopefully we can get back into stuff like that with people touring around and yeah. talking about new issues. Yeah. 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 That'd be, <clears throat> that'd be great. You're right. That, that, that content usually turns out to be really good. Um, I remember one time you sent me something with both of them in it. And admittedly, I got a little tired of Jordan just kind of saying all these things. And it was just like, he probably could have said that in like three words. Um, but oh, yeah. I understand that's just the <clears throat> style of, of doing things. Yeah. Uh, also, there was something else I completely forgot that I was going to mention. This is actually not really breaking news. This happened like two years ago, but my dad sent me a text message about it, which, so Russian scientists uh, went to Siberia and discovered frozen worms. Okay, so there you go. There's the news now. <laughs> um, these, these, <laughs> these, <laughs> these worms are over 40,000 years old. And they thawed them out, and they were still alive. So they uh, came back to life, and they were eating uh, again, like right when they thawed out. That is a pretty freaking cool thing, um, that you have these worms that are tens of thousands of years old, and they're still alive. I thought that was super, what? super cool. Yeah. Just because they were frozen, that's really the only reason why. But it also kind of tells you more into like different therapies for like trying to freeze people, you know, and actually yeah. preserve preserve their body. I mean, you'd have to reach like absolute zero. If we could find a way to like really reach absolute zero, I mean, you could preserve somebody for forever because absolute zero is like minus 450 degrees Fahrenheit or something like that. So it's... Uh, unbelievably well it's the coldest you can possibly get um but it completely freezes everything i mean when we talk about freezing and like the freezer in your kitchen um mm. that's st things are still progressing it's just moving at an incredibly slow rate but absolute zero right. is nothing is moving no chemical reactions whatsoever so um oh, wow. you imagine these worms were probably like moving super slow. I mean, imagine being frozen there for f over 40,000 years. And uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. It's such a cool, cool thing to me to, to, to discover that. That is amazing. And it just, yeah, it just makes you think about what other discoveries are potentially out there that can be made that might be just as groundbreaking in terms of understanding um, the aging process in general and trying to look at ways to combat that with 
I don't know. I don't know really many ways that people are doing it now. I know Joe Rogan had that guy on, um, the anti-aging guy, but I'm sure there's so much research going into looking at different animals and things that can age for long, long periods of time and why they're able to and how we can learn from that. You're talking about the researcher or talking about the quack that was anti-aging? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember his name. One, there was one guy that's got a massive beard. He gets drunk all the time. He drinks all the time. And he's anti, he's also anti-aging, but he believes that it's like... No, we're it was not find... him. It was... I know who you're talking about there. But... Yeah. He, yeah, he believes that you can. we're going to find some sort of solution, some molecule or something that's going to prevent aging. And so he just doesn't care. Yeah. So he just gets, he literally legitimately gets hammered. Like he's been on the podcast twice. David, David St. Clair. Yeah. Is the other guy. Actually, I know someone who works in his lab. Um, and yeah, it's small world. Um, and yeah, so his, his research is really cool. Um, but yeah, the other guy is really whacked out, but I'm not really entirely certain about David St. Clair's like some of the stuff that he says, even, I mean, I'm not going to necessarily disagree with him because I haven't actually looked into that literature yet, but he takes like small doses of metformin. I don't know about you, but I'm not too keen on taking a, a drug that has wide spreading effects um, and saying that that's going to help me with my anti-aging, but whatever, regardless. I guess it's probably better than being frozen for 40,000 years <laughs> yeah. in Siberia. <laughs> that would be fun. Yeah, it would. But, um, yeah, speaking of discoveries, I'm, I'm reading that book, The Immortality Key. The yeah. guy, there's that guy that, well, that guy, Graham Hancock, is on Joe Rogan quite a few times. And honestly, those types of episodes are my favorite. Really? They're talking okay. about like, just like the age of the Sphinx, like we've, it's way older than we thought it was. And like what these ancient societies were doing long before we thought they were doing it, what inspired, you know, this ancient writing or this particular structure, what did people do here? And like, I don't know, just kind of flipping what we thought was the reason we do things now or why things happened in the past, just kind of flipping that on its head in a way. And he's definitely the, he's like a, <laughs> he's a guy that like just loves to look at archeological sites and look a little bit deeper than what history currently teaches us and asks bigger questions and, you know, people sometimes are like, well, he's just, he's too far out there because he's into psychedelics and he thinks that that's something that played a big key in um, the development of humanity and society and civilization as we know it from these ancient Paleolithic or Neolithic peoples that were doing these ceremonies and evolved into what we now do at like catholic church where you do the the bread and the wine was that you know thousands of years ago 
a pilgrimage people made to ingest a, a psychedelic substance that would have allow them to have an experience with what they thought was God or the afterlife or mm. their ancestors or, you know, and that's kind of what this book is talking about is like this uh, place in Greece um, called Eleusis where people would travel from all over the Mediterranean for thousands of years to take part in this secret ceremony. And it was so secretive that we barely have any information on it today and you would be basically killed if you tried to spread this secret out outside of Eleusis or perform it outside of Eleusis and like people from Aristotle to Plato all the way to Roman um, Marcus Aurelius and people thousands of years before them um, all took part in this ceremony um, that this guy is claiming led to um, Christianity taking it and making it like this is the blood of Christ and this is the body is the bread and uh, like a Easter sort of ceremony. And uh, I'm, I'm only just in the beginning, but it's just very, it's really fascinating because the guy who wrote it, he's never done a psychedelic drug in his life. But he's like an ancient, he's like a classic. Um, he got like a PhD in Greek classics, which really nobody gets anymore. He's fluent in ancient Greek. Um, and he's been to Greece and he's been all over Europe studying this phenomenon, what happened at Eleusis. And um, it's just fascinating. And he's like, yeah, I don't, I've never done psychedelics or attempted to do anything like that because immediately people would discredit me and I'm doing this because it's like, I want to prove that people were ingesting this beer or this wine that had sort of an LSD like chemical brewed with it. Um, it wasn't just alcohol. It was a bunch of other things and why were they doing it and what, you know, what resulted from this? And uh, he's claiming that it resulted in something that people still do today, just in a different form. Um, so just pretty fascinating. Yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Um, I think Joe talked about that a little bit, right? In the uh, recent episode with Maynard. Uh, with Maynard, yeah. yeah. Just briefly, just touch on that. Real quick, I didn't know that that's where it came from. Um, I, f I find it kind of funny and ironic, though, that like that's what Christians kind of do now, or that's kind of like it's somehow related to Christianity and whatnot. After you told me that nobody was allowed to talk about it, and now it's it's the I guess Christianity is the <laughs> biggest religion in the world. I think it is. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> I find that kind of comical. They're like. Don't you dare talk about this or we will kill you. Yeah, <laughs> the secret got out. Hundreds of years <laughs> later. Yeah, secret may yeah. have gotten out. <laughs> got out, yeah. That's, that's toned it down, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 I imagine. That's actually why Jesus but it was... got crucified. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was, they were talking about, like, when 
people in early Christianity started to like stamp out, you know, cults like that, that would mm. do those particular ceremonies. And, um, <laughs> you know, it was around the time where like, you know, they would, I don't know. I don't, he's, he was talking about like, you know, the library at Alexandria, how people burned it to the ground because it was just like, if this isn't like all about the Bible, then we're burning it down. Yeah. And that's basically what happened. And if we would have still had that today and everything within it, I mean, there's no telling of how, how much insane information we would have about our past oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. how more, how much more advanced we would be today. If we, if we had that information this whole time, you know, it's what led to the dark ages is like a destruction of all that stuff before. And I don't know. It's, it's just, it's a heavy, it's a heavy subject to think into a lot. And, th and this book is, uh, it's pretty eye opening if, if even partially true. Mm. Yeah. I'll be interested as you go through it. Cause you said you were kind of at the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested to, to hear, to hear more on that. Cause that's definitely stuff that, um, it's definitely stuff that's really intriguing. Also, even if it's not necessarily like you don't have a hundred percent proof of it, it's still cool to talk about like the potential, what might be out there. Yeah. Like talking about, you know, ceremonial, um, cups that were found, um, at these sites and, you know, carbon dating would put it to the exact date and time that this is in question. And then now you have a lot of different um, techniques to analyze any sort of residue inside of these containers. Um, so you can tell, you know, like honey, mint, you know, grape, must. And then they, they found evidence of like ergot, which um, can be a psychedelic substance um, when you're when you're making bread or brewing beer that can often happen if your um, facilities aren't clean properly or if things rot or go out you know go awry in any way it can form ergot on the mm. barley and that can produce you know certainly hallucinogenic um instances that have happened you know throughout the middle ages as well um caused entire villages to pretty much go insane wow. <laughs> without really understanding why so it's pretty crazy but they may be tr but they're thinking that they harnessed it in a way that it wasn't harmful because it can often be not just psychedelic but like actually dangerous to your health so i don't know there's a lot that has been looked at and a lot that still can be looked at in regards to that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool for sure. I definitely like to hear more. Yeah. Well, as we, uh, as we round out this episode, there is a possibility that we I don't know if we decide to record next Tuesday as opposed to next Monday. Um, 
that could be interesting. I don't know. I don't know if you have specific plans. I guess we could talk about this off air, but it'd be interesting to get kind of a live update or kind of a initial reactions at least, even if it's not yeah. like the day of. But and I know we're probably not going to have the res- the results, the final results, but at least we'll see kind of where things are trending. Um, yeah, I would love to do it with, live with the election. <clears throat> yeah, that'd be really, really interesting. Um, you know, we'll give people the unbiased coverage that CNN and Fox News refuse yeah. to give. CNN. <laughs> <laughs> Just make up facts as we're talking about them. <laughs> yep. Yep. You've got an unbiased person, and then you've got your right wing person. <laughs> <laughs> For those so of you just listening, Kyle just pointed at me. <laughs> no, no, I think it'd be a good idea um, to do that. It would be fun and maybe scary. I don't know. Ooh, yeah. Dude, if Trump wins, we're both up here just silent, just so pissed off. <laughs> oh, man. Last time uh, I stayed up and watched, I, I remember the night just like, all day i wasn't stoked on the day really um but there was really no doubt in my mind that hillary clinton was going to win um and as i kept watching it i was just like what what (laughs) i was like what's happening and like and people were like it's fine like it's fine and um the night kept going and it's just like it be, it was like midnight and it was just like there's there's no way that he's going to lose now and i was just like is this real life like i was like am i really awake and like have i have I, am i tripping i don't know what's happening and yeah. like i just it was like midnight and i just remember walking outside and just walking down the street. I probably walked for about 45 minutes, just Whoa. like 1am, just like look, looking up at the stars in the sky and just being like, what has life become? Yeah. I, this is just very, I wasn't even mad. I was just like, how did this happen? Like yeah. this life is just a, a shit show now. And uh, turns out I was right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i I would be of, I will. I would be absolutely shocked if that happened again this time. Yeah, I, I won't. If that does, I won't have that reaction now. But because I'm, you know, prepared for anything now. But you know, I I once said that Biden was going to win. I then once <laughs> I then oh, yeah, said Trump right. was. Gonna i'm finally making my prediction <laughs> i think joe biden's gonna win <laughs> that's what i think i, don't, I well. actually i don't know I, I think he probably will but again not gonna be surprised if something crazy happens and he doesn't so well, i would be based surprised. on all his voting based on yeah. you know the polls Obviously, I don't really put much credit in the polls, but it seems to be pretty much every single major polling, as far as early voting goes, would indicate that 
he's got a massive lead, um, even a lead in North Carolina, which is a swing state. So we're always like 49% to 51%. Yeah. <laughs> like it could go either way yeah. in North Carolina. Um, but yeah, we'll see. And I think that'd be a good idea to, to at least do a live stream to try one. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be Tuesday. game. I'd be game. Um, and Kyle's not going to say it, but I'll say it for him. Go out and vote folks. It's your duty. It's your obligation. You have to, if you don't, you're dead to us. All right. <laughs> <laughs> With that, we will catch you next week. <laughs> yeah, See ya.